Hey, how about this, listeners? Welcome to a new episode of How About This. And yes, this is a new episode. You don't have to go and check out your podcatcher. You don't have to try to see why this seems similar to another episode. Jordan and I decided that we were going to revisit Batman because Batman is everywhere once again. We have an announcement about stuff we want to do with Batman moving forward. And we just kind of wanted to talk about where Batman is right now and what we would love to do. It's We want to revisit some of these properties that are monumental in Batman. There is such a a varied and such a unique character you can do so much with this character and with the batman getting rave reviews across the board and being one of the biggest movies in the world right now it seems like the time to talk about batman we talk about the batman a little bit but as a preface jordan and i had not seen the movie yet but we were starting to read reviews and just hearing just about how good it was so we did have to uh, discuss that a little bit and um we talk about our pitches for batman so enjoy here we go how about this, listeners? Welcome back to an all-new episode, an all-new gritty reboot of How About This, where, well, this isn't what you would expect out of us. We've gone dark. Well, maybe not. But it seems like that's what this property seems to love to do over and over and over again. And before we get started today and let you know what we're talking about, you saw the title already. I have to say he is vengeance. He is the knight. He is Jordan Hugh. I'm Batman. <laughs> and uh, uh, to my co-host. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. To my co-host, the clown prince of crime, Michael Staub. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I would like to thank all of the people out there for. I'm, for... I'm, I'm Batman. I'm, I'm Batman. I do want that. Harvey, to be... Harvey, I'm, I'm, I'm Batman. Batman. I do want, want it to at some point be a question. Like <laughs> I want, I want. <laughs> I'm Batman. I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> at some point but uh, i feel like there's a point there's that point in every batman's film career as batman where they have to have that moment where they say i'm batman and i would love to like see the super cut of every time that it happens that i'm sure that already oh, exists it definitely no exists. one has to make that yeah no, nobody has to make that especially after the the newest one the batman which um we talked about in our first episode so for those of you out there who are saying what the heck are these two idiots doing um why are they revisiting a property the whole point of the show is that obviously these things change over time and a property as monumental and important. And as I don't know, it's like we said at the beginning, our first episode, it's probably the biggest property in the world. As things change over time, new movies get made, new directions get taken. It's always good to go back and kind of revisit, see what we said the last time, see how we can maybe make some corrections about what we said about the last time and see how, how the, the property and the uh, the franchise kind of moves forward from there, and so we're we're coming back to Batman. I've you know named this episode Batman Two because there is no movie called Batman Two, but um, we named not this yet. not yet. Wait, just wait, just wait until the Batman Two comes out. And um, it, you know, it's Batman's been a character that's been with us for geez, like what, like 80, 90 years almost at this point. So he's a very popular character. They've remade and rebooted and given us all sorts of different styles of Batman. Like many times we've had full on camp Batman with Adam West. We've had somewhere between camp and gritty with with Michael with Michael Keaton. Uh, we had camp kind of come back with Val Kilmer and then, you know, George Clooney. And then it got dark and realistic with the, the Christopher Nolan movies. And then it, now it's back to being dark and realistic, but it's darker and realistic. -er. So it's one of those things where 
you know, everyone could do whatever they want with with a character. You know, these Hollywood Hollywood film studios really trust directors, writers to do what they want with the character. And, you know, despite Jordan and I spending a majority of our first podcast kind of being upset with what they were doing with this new Batman movie. I haven't seen it yet. I know, Jordan, you haven't seen it yet. Uh, It's getting rave reviews. People are really liking it. So. I'm not going to say that we're going to eat crow on that uh, I, until I've seen it, but we probably will have to uh, 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 probably issue an apology for how rough we were on it on the, at the beginning to a degree. I still think some of the complaints that I've seen about the Batman do lie in the same realm of our concern of it being too serious and too dark and too gritty. But I know there were some things that you wanted to talk about from the last episode that we did where you wanted to make some corrections about things that we said. Uh, on the first episode. So do you want to go that? Do you want to explain our philosophy here? You know, it's kind of open-ended. Sure. Yeah. So uh, Mike and I started this podcast uh, almost two years ago now. You know, our our first episode was, uh, oh, wait, that's erroneous, isn't it? When when did we start this podcast? I think we started recording it close to two years ago. Sure. Close to two years ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because we didn't, we didn't, we didn't put any episodes out until we had like, like 12 or 13 recorded. Gotcha. So, you know, if you're hearing this episode, I'm assuming that maybe you listened to at least some of the Batman episode, which is our first episode. And that episode was recorded on worse equipment and in the heart of the pandemic. So it was, you know, really cynical times. Uh, We were doing the best we can, but we had fun and hopefully you had fun listening to that episode. This episode is a nice partner to that episode. So if you want to go back and listen to that one first, you might come in nice and angry so you can come and get angrier with us uh, today. So I'm responding to a lot of things to in that episode specifically. So if you're yeah. if you're feeling yeah, yeah, lost, yeah. it's because I'm picking up from a much older episode of this show. So the first thing I want to discuss is actor Robert Pattinson. You know, we don't get a lot of hate mail at How About This. We get a, a couple of our friends that'll chime in and just be like, oh, come on, give our Pats a chance. Give give Pattinson a chance. Uh, why are you guys being so uh, hard on him? And I want to clarify, uh, you know, if in case this was not evident from the first episode, though I'm essentially going to say the same thing. <laughs> One, I think Robert Pattinson's a good actor. He is. Uh, people will always point to a lot of work he did that is lesser known uh, and more independent. They're talking about his roles in movies like The Lighthouse, in Good Time, in High Life. He's He's got a, a substantial career that isn't related to Harry Potter or Twilight, which is really the stuff that made him. And you know what? He's he's a breakout. He's you know, a lot of people never get away from those franchises like yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, doing big, young, heartthrob teen franchise films sometimes kills your career. So kudos to him for breaking out. He is a talent. I think we're going to see Robert Pattinson be really successful for a long time. And listen, he certainly doesn't need me or Mike to tell him that he's doing a good job. <laughs> My issue came from this and it still comes from this. And I, I have not seen the Batman. So, you know what? I might go see that tonight. And then I have to like basically record a retraction being like, oh my God, he's the best one ever. But it has to do with the rationale that goes into casting someone like Robert Pattinson for this film. So one, I need to address within the Robert Pattinson topic that uh, I really like Ben Affleck and I feel like the guy never really got his due. And the fact that Affleck doesn't really get to make a solo film and yeah. that Pattinson's film launch kind of guarantees that we'll never get the Ben Affleck solo film hurts a little bit. because I think Ben Affleck was a good choice and is mm-hmm. a good choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's that aspect of it. And then Pattinson is just very, very different from Ben Affleck. So this is like a young, good looking guy. They kind of are leaning into like maybe sort of an sort of an emo aesthetic for him, I want to say. Yeah. And that, that's not necessarily wrong, but it's not what I like. And then additionally, 
I'm not really sure why you cast Robert Pattinson as Batman. Well, people are like, because he's an amazing actor. To which my response is like, who the fuck said you needed an amazing actor to play Batman? Is that a hard role? It's basically a vibe role, right? You're giving off a vibe. You're a physical presence, okay? The acting role is Bruce Wayne. Yeah. I guess we should really say, Mike, that we should be judging Pattinson on how well he does as Wayne. Probably. Because because Batman is, well, how good do you look in the costume and do you kick ass, right? Yeah. Which I, I don't know. Uh, when they first came out with that list of 20 people, and I think I mentioned this in our previous episode on Batman, and Robert Pattinson was in contention, I gave him the longest possible odds. I was like, well, no way it's going to be him. And then it was. And I was kind of like, why? And I sort of resented that maybe they had chosen him because he was just really good looking and popular with women, which I was like, is that what we're looking for in, in Batman? Uh, you know, the, the other actors I was more excited for, uh, John Hamm, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, returning to form with Michael Keaton, keeping Ben Affleck. Uh, these were all better guys for me. Yeah. You know, and I, I wish they had gone that route. That said, I'm going in. I'm trying to go in with an open mind. I don't like the casting. I, I might see him tonight and be like, you know what? He's the best Batman ever. He's better, th better than Keaton. Uh, on par with Conroy. I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, but yes, I admit it fully. He's a great actor. But I, I think Batman is a vibe role and I, I still feel like he has the wrong vibe, the wrong flavor. Yeah, I think it's I think, too, I think the the way this film pans out, I think Batman or Bruce Wayne was born in like the late 90s. I think uh, I think that's that's where it's at now uh, because of like how, how far off we are from the 90s. So, you know, if right, you're, which is a little odd because Pattinson is our exact age. Yeah, he's our age. But I guess they're trying to play him maybe I don't know, maybe 10 years younger. Uh, I don't know. But I think in this movie, so because I saw a meme that was like, it's very likely that the movie that the Waynes took him to see was Shrek, which I find, <laughs> which, oh, I find which I find, which I find which they were happy to die, after that, yeah. <laughs> which I found hilarious. But so that it, it does kind of make sense if he is influenced by like the mid aughts emo, like it kind of kind of fits if he's like a teenager in the uh, in, you know, the the mid 2000s or whatever like that so i get i gather that's 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 how you you run with that vibe but um from what i've listened the soundtrack is actually very very good and you know i've read a lot i've read a lot of positive positive reviews about this movie so not everything says not a lot of i said not a lot of comments on on batman actually uh most of the positive reviews i've read about this movie are like zoe kravitz is really great as catwoman yeah riddler looks stupid but you know, Paul Dano is amazing. And I've heard a lot of great about Colin Farrell as uh, Oswald Cobblepot. So, you know, I'm going to go in like you with the with the most open mind I can. Obviously, in the first episode, we were like you said, it was the mid the high pandemic. We hadn't been out of our houses in weeks. We hated right. literally everything and everyone. And uh, we were we were a little bit more cynical than than uh, we needed to be. But I also think we all have to issue a little bit of a for a little bit of an apology to how we handled um, our discussion and discussion of Christopher Nolan, you know, Apology. and I think, well, no, didn't we, didn't we like, we didn't mean to take away. I don't know. It's been a while. So I think when, when we no, talked about Christopher Nolan, he's super pretentious. I hate the way he handled that man. I'm not <laughs> apologizing for that guy. <laughs> I think he's an amazing filmmaker. I think he did Batman dirty. I think he's the reason why we have all the problems we have now. Yeah, I feel like it's like you said, it's got to be darker -er and grittier all the time. Uh, and I think that does definitely stem from how he was handled. And I think those Batman movies that he did, the first two, you know, really sit as, on their own and as their own thing. 
And as DC, you know, the, the, here's the issue is that, you know, I'm not going to compare. I don't want to compare DC to Marvel too much because I, I hate that. I actually don't like those comparisons. I'm actually happy that DC has done its own thing and has continued to kind of start to do its own thing further. Um, but it's crazy that, you know, we have like something like Peacemaker, which I love. I think Peacemaker is a great show. Sure. And we have Peacemaker that exists in some DC universe. I, I don't know if it's kind of an extension of, you know, the Zack Snyder verse that Peacemaker sits in because like the Suicide Squad is kind of tied to that Justice League and kind of tied to those characters. But um, Peacemaker has been incredibly successful. So, you know, it, we're probably going to continue with that further on. It's been renewed for a second season. Right. And I we, guess um, this this Batman movie like sits also in its own mm-hmm. thing. Right. Well, in terms of directors, since you brought up Nolan and you're bringing up, you know, the question of are we in the Snyderverse? Where are we at this point in DC, uh, the cinematic universe? We should talk about the sort of shifting tectonic plates of yeah. uh, director's influence, not only in the DC you know, cinematic universe, but but Batman specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you brought up Nolan. This is actually the second thing I wanted to address was Matt Reeves. Yeah. So a lot of folks had said in our first podcast were unfair to Pattinson. I'm, I'm just stating definitively, I think he's a great actor. I don't know if he's going to be a great Batman. Uh, let's talk about Matt Reeves. Mm-hmm. So sure. Matt Reeves is in a really bad spot. He's in a spot that I would never want to be in as a creator or director. Yeah, you you did a nice job in our intro today, just kind of going through the epochs of, of Batman film. The current state is this. You had the revitalization of the property with the Christopher Nolan films. And I, I famously dislike them. I don't think they're bad movies. I think they did a lot of harm to the character uh, because these movies, and I don't need to say this again if you listen to the first episode, but I'll say it again here. The movies are apologist films. They're very unfortunately about Batman. You know what I mean? Nolan is trying to do heat in the dark. Yeah, night. yeah, yeah. He'd yeah, rather yeah, yeah. be remaking heat, but instead Batman is in it. Batman Begins is good. I think that's actually the better film. Gotham City loses all of its personality and becomes like daytime Chicago. It's uh, it's a very clean, streamlined, you know, and it's a, it's a Nolan film. It's like more cerebral, which could have been good, but he didn't really go with the cerebral Batman, did he? He made Christian no, Bale a guy who punches people. Yeah, he was like a, he was like a walking thumb beating people up. <laughs> right, the walking thumb. So... Uh, Nolan is brilliant. He's one of our best filmmakers. He's one of the best people making films currently. I, I think he's a, a really talented dude. I don't think his Batman movies are great. And I think The Dark Knight Rises is so poisonously bad. I think it actually retroactively makes the first two films worse. I think The Dark Knight is a sloppy good film uh, made immortal by a legendary performance. Yeah. Keith Ledger does amazing, amazing work as a character that is named the Joker. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not authentically any kind of Joker that any of us grew up with, but we really like it, so it's okay. Yeah. You know, that's basically where we're at with that Joker. And I like Batman Begins. I thought that was promising. I actually wish he had built more on that stuff. And, you know, he tried to with Rises, but it was just too late. Um, well, when you lose your when you lose your your lead, essentially, your second lead, you know, and um, you make a decision not to recast the character. How well, do you was, how do you how do you come back from that? You know what I mean? Another director in an impossible position. right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Really, it was like basically don't make another movie. All right. Then we have Zack Snyder and Snyder comes in and his vision of the uh, DC cinematic universe is a uh, super grim, dark. It's very edgy, edgelord, whatever you want to call it. It appeals to a, a certain fan base that is <laughs> themselves kind of unappealing. <laughs> and um, they, they are. And um, it it kind of stomps out any of the beauty and, and a lot of like the the hope 
yeah. the color yeah, 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 yeah. That is so vibrant in DC Comics yeah. and says, well, our movies are dark and edgy and it's so boring and they become so samey. They become just as samey as the Marvel films, but in a, in a different way. Yeah, know, yeah, with, yeah. The bright, with the brightness yeah. turned all the way down. He has a couple of saving glories, notably is that I think Ben Affleck's a great Batman. I think um, we were a little taken aback by that casting as first at first because Ben Affleck was always kind of a joke. It was kind of always just like, oh yeah, big dumb Ben Affleck. He's yeah. uh, he's not he's not that good, but he, he was great. So I, I ended up really liking him. He won us over, but then he never got his film. And so now we're stuck as Batman films between the really cerebral, streamlined, nice and clean Christopher Nolan, who's ashamed to make a film about Batman. And you have Zack Snyder who likes to, you know, play in the mud and rub mud on everything and everyone's blood is made of dirt. I don't know. Really, really dark, edgy stuff. So now you're Matt Reeves and you're not Christopher Nolan and you're not Zack Snyder. And I want to really emphasize that Christopher Nolan is at the top of the food chain. Zack Snyder's a really nicely established director. Matt Reeves has a couple good movies. That's his resume. Yeah, yeah. Matt Reeves is not an auteur, legendary filmmaker. He's not Wes Anderson. He's not Quentin Tarantino. He's Matt Reeves. He's fine. He's a base hit filmmaker. People like Dawn and War for the Planet of the Apes. They like Let Me In. They like Cloverfield. Uh, He's got some good stuff under his belt. He's not amazing. And not all of his films are amazing. They're good. (laughs) Uh, So I I think it's very reasonable to be skeptical about a film. The people that are defending this movie, by the way, they've been defending it for weeks without even having seen it. Just like, give him a chance. Matt Reeves is great. He made great Planet of the Apes movies. Fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Like, Like I saw War of the Planet of the Apes and like anybody independently was like, this guy should direct Batman. Fuck you. Okay. <laughs> Nobody had that thought. This movie may be great, but it's not because he was such a good director for War for the Planet of the Apes, you asshole. You know, yeah, give everybody a chance. Great. Sure. I'm sure you're saying that in, in good faith uh, because you're, you're this nice to everybody. Um, fine. All right. The point is this Matt Reeves, being Matt Reeves, a base hit tier two filmmaker who may be uh, elevated after this and good for him. Yeah, good for him if he does. Uh, is yeah. paired then with Robert Pattinson and people are asking me why I'm not excited. And I'm saying, I think they went a little low on the talent pool. I think we could have gotten some better people and you're gonna fucking disagree with me? All right. Okay, I think we fine. went a little low on the talent pool. Okay, and well, there you go. <laughs> the casting was fantastic. Yeah, you couldn't I have done the- really better with the casting. Talent on this film is so good. Uh, Zoe Kravitz looks like something out of the comics. We love Colin Farrell. We'd love to see him do a character role, though I'm not really sure why he's playing the penguin. Physically, it just seems odd. But you know what? Cool. Jeffrey yeah. Wright, that's like a that's like an easy. Oh, easy he's board. awesome. That's great. He's great. He's awesome. And all right, then we get to Paul Dano. Paul Dano is one of the best actors of his generation. I would be excited to see him as Riddler in anybody's Batman movie. That's that's home run. Casting. Yeah, that is like I remember when I, they first casted him. I was like, oh, my God, that's good. Yeah, that's, that's really so good. So good. Uh, we've said this in other episodes and we might have even said it more eloquently, but, you know, when you see your comic book characters come off the page, yeah. you want them to come with the same at least kind of energy that they have yeah. in the comics. Yeah. And what so many of these directors seem to not get is that Batman is the he's the one that creates dynamic contrasts with his darkness. Right. Yeah. He's yeah, yeah. One yeah. of that city. But the villains, for the most part, are colorful and dynamic characters that add some brightness and often some lightness. Yeah. Batman's arch nemesis is literally the Joker, the most colorful yeah. and uh, charismatic character in that whole series. Yeah. You know, but now they're kind of just painting everything to match Batman. So it's like he hardly stands out anymore. Yeah, I know. I get that. And uh, I think it's because I think our, our our point of view on it is always always brings us back to one place. Um at a great time to be Batman fans. 
possibly the best time to be Batman fans. You know, we were kids of the late eight, mid to late eighties. Batman 89 came out when we were three and four years old or whatever. Right. And then we had Taz and we had that. And then, yeah, when we were six, the animated series showed up and the animated series to me has always been the pinnacle of what Batman was. And it's, it's another, it, it continues my complication with how people view animation. People think that because something's animated, it is not at the same level of something that isn't. And animation always gets a, it, it gets treated as though, oh, well, that's just for children. And as we've continued to, to progress as, as an entertainment society, more and more people have begun to understand that cartoons aren't just for kids. Right. It's and as I, our generation ages. As, it's as we age because we didn't fully really grow up. Uh, and I think, I, you know, I want to we, we can attribute Batman, the animated series, Batman Beyond. Um, we can attribute The Simpsons really hitting their their stride, stuff like South Park, Bob's Burgers, like uh, Rick and Morty, stuff that's made for not necessarily kids, but also not necessarily like adults, like stuff that is made for people with teens and, and adults in mind. I would actually say even made for adults and kids also watch them. That's right? true, Which too. Right. Where the Simpsons like was. like the Simpsons or even more recently Cuphead. Um, I think we're we're in a world now where kids have grown up watching anime anime itself as a entertainment medium. Obviously, a lot of it's directed towards teenage kids, but a lot more of it is not. If you watch something like Fooly Cooly or Cowboy Bebop the, or Akira, these are things that are much more geared towards a more mature, older audience. And while a lot of the 90s like adult cartoons are a bit sophomoric in their sense of humor, I think that, you know, when you have legitimately good writers, uh, you know, guys like Paul Dini and and if you want to go to The Simpsons, guys like Conan O'Brien, who were writing like really high quality writing, whether it be comedic or comic book, um, really kind of pushed and elevated the genre. And Batman, the animated series needs to be in that conversation when we talk about the importance of Batman, because ultimately, in the end, I think guys like you and me, we want to see that's the Batman we want to see at some point on the screen, on the big on the big movie screen, not a cartoon, not an animated version, but like take the energy that that show had, which was dark. It wasn't that dark. No, but it wasn't. But it was dark, but it was fun and it didn't lose either or it like played on it, you know? You know, it, it hit the mix exactly right. Yeah. Other than the comics, right? Batman, yes. the animated series, Batman Taz, whatever you want to call it. That is the only one to get the balance. The only one it, get it right. Know, and I love Burton. And, yeah. You know, I, God knows I, I love some Nolan. Yeah. <laughs> but it's Taz. It's Taz before anything. It's the animated series is uh, to me, like I said, the pinnacle of Batman entertainment that isn't the comic books and Sometimes it's probably better than the comic books, which is why Oftentimes we times have... it was better. Yeah. Like Harley Quinn, right? Harley Quinn. First and foremost, Harley Quinn, the revised, Most... the revised Mr. Freeze, Mr. Freeze. really good stuff. You know, the, the characters, and I don't know if they're like clock King definitely was way better in the cartoons. And, oh, it's yeah. one, and it's one of those things where, you know, they really caught lightning in a bottle with that show. And I really think to me, that's kind of always where my interest is always drawn when I want to watch Batman. Like, I love the Batman cartoon. I love Batman Beyond. I love Batman Brave and the Bold. Uh, I think that's great. The new Harley Quinn cartoon on, uh, you know, I watched on HBO Max, I think is amazing. I think that's a really good show. That's a really nice pair uh, with, with Batman, the animated series. 
So there's a lot of good stuff happening sure. in the animated. DC's animation is is amazing. They've done some really great stuff, some really great animated movies, some really great shows. And yeah. well, actually, the one Batman the animated series film that most people adore, I, I adore, Mask of the Phantasm. Mask of the Phantasm, incre- incredible, unbelievably good. I remember watching that like crazy when uh, when yeah. it first came out. It was as good as any other Batman movie, right? Sure, you would you would rank Mask of the Phantasm really among the best Batman films. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, I would, it's really, really, really good. It's right up there with 89 and, you know, Batman Begins for me. And it's one of those things too, where it's like, it's just, now obviously, yeah, we're not going to get Kevin Conroy in a bat suit. We're not going to get Mark Hamill as the Joker, but you can well, capture that vibe. You can capture that vibe. You know what I mean? A little bit. I'm not, I, I'm not counting Hamill out. Hamill might do it. Hamill could do a live action Joker. I could old, see an old Joker. He could. I could see Hamill as uh, as like Dark Knight Returns Joker Correct. with like the I, white I, suit. I think we've all thought of that. Yeah. yeah, I think that would work. That could though, still happen. Though also I've seen I've seen fan mockups of Willem Dafoe as the Joker. Which... That's the other one we would like to see happen. I think Willem Dafoe would actually pair nicely with, you know, if they were to. Well, you know, I'm. I'm I'm gonna get sidetracked. Go on. I'm okay, sorry. okay, okay. So no, I think I think Willem Dafoe Joker, and like he even wants it. He goes, I want to play the Joker. That'd be great, you know. So like <laughs> after coming back and for Spider Man uh, No Way Home, so that's that's a thing too, right? When you watch some movie like uh, No Way Home, and obviously the films do their own thing, I almost feel like Batman might need to look at that to be like, listen, we're giving you something that works for film, but like, this is the biggest celebration of everything Spider-Man has ever been. And when No Way Home leaves us, spoilers, everyone, if you haven't seen the movie, it's the number, what, number three best best selling film of all time. Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home leaves Spider-Man in a spot where he's the most Spider-Man he's ever been, which in the movies, which we haven't seen that with a lot of superheroes. The X-Men have always kind of been kind of off. You know, sometimes there's always there's sometimes there's things wrong with Batman. Even, you know, Iron Man, you know, was really cool, but like very like much morphed into like this is Robert Downey Jr.'s persona. So as Marvel kind of deconstructs their universe uh, with their multiverse, I think DC should look at that and not copy it, but actually say like, yeah, we can do whatever the heck we want. You know, that's with so anything. right. That's so correct. And, and we've we've really watched them. We've watched Marvel build something beautiful and then take it apart beautifully as well. Yeah. And um, again, DC just has to kind of swallow its pride and just take some notes. It's okay. You know, and you could do that with just one character through the whole universe. And also, also at the same point, like DC, you, you have, you can't tell me that the Marvel film directors, when they were working on the beginning of the MCU, obviously they were looking at, you know, the Brian Singer X-Men movies. They were looking at Blade. Sure. They were looking mm-hmm. at um, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. Yep. Sam, Sam Raimi's back, baby. There's no way they weren't looking at the Burton Batman. There was no way they weren't looking at the Dick Donner Superman. Like those movies are monumental and they all pull from each other. We all pull from the same creative soup, as I always like to say. Actually, that's my one criticism for Marvel. I agree with you. They're all looking at those films, right? Yeah. They all exist of a genre. Yeah. My sole criticism, obviously, Marvel has done very well without this criticism for 20 years. Yeah. Um, you know, is that I actually wish they would have done a little bit more of what Dick Donner and Tim Burton were able to do, which is just be unafraid to step out of line and be a little bit more unhinged. I think, I think you're right. I actually think, you know, I, I do agree with that. I think every so often, like multiverse of madness is a, is a big test, I think for what we'll Marvel see. might be willing yeah, to we'll do, see. but we'll see, we'll see if they keep, if they toe in line or if they get out there a little bit, 
But with that being said, we were talking about Batman the Animated Series, and I think it's time to make a small announcement. Oh, I think it's a, it's a big announcement. <laughs> So for those of you out there who've been listening to us for the past year or so, thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate that. You're great. Uh, we love, we lo- I love getting the text messages and the comments that we get from you, you all when you watch a new episode. Uh, I'm sorry, when you listen to a new episode. But uh, Jordan and I have decided, inspired by Jordan's incredibly successful run uh, currently uh, with our good friends, Paul and uh, Paul Mancini and Chris D'Amato, who have been doing a the a show called The Sopranos Podcast, which is an episode by episode analysis of The Sopranos, which is a show I've just started watching just so I could listen to the podcast. Oh, shucks. And I will say the podcast is dynamite. Uh, if you're a Sopranos fan or if you're not, uh, I definitely think it's a perfect companion piece to go along with it. Their analysis is way better than what my stupid brain can comprehend while I'm watching it. And it really helps you to sit there and, and, and listen to a, a teacher and a director. Well, essentially, right, Jordan, for, for a living, you study literature and characters and all that stuff. And you, you help <laughs> express that to people who, uh, who might not always see all the symbolism and all the stuff that you guys see. And then you have, you know, directors and actors with Chris and Paul and, you know, Jordan, you're an actor, teacher, director, you're doing all these things. So it's really great to get that scholarly kind of analysis of this show and inspired, inspired by that. First of all, everyone go listen to that show inspired by that. Jordan and I have been throwing around ideas for a long time. It's like, what can we cover? What shows could we do? And we're just like, let's just do Batman. It's we're not the first, obviously, but Jordan and I starting in the fall for the 30th anniversary of Batman, the animated series, Jordan and I will be doing an episode by episode analysis of Batman, the animated series. Uh, We'll see where it goes from there. What else we cover after that? But we've already talked about maybe covering some of the movies and things like that. But it's definitely going to be an episode by episode analysis of Batman, the animated series. And we are calling the show the Batman Tasticast. So hopefully... You follow us over there. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot of work over there. I'm going to have, we have a whole new studio section getting built and we're going to have a really nice time sitting down and I'm very excited for it. What about you, man? All right, listen, I can't wait. I think I credit this show. I credit how about this with, you know, letting us explore something that we wanted to do like the deepest of deep dives on. And we just kept coming back to Batman, the animated, the animated series. It, it hits on so many core things about why we enjoy recording this show. Right. So one, there's our friendship, of course, which is really the, the bonding agent here. This is this is why we do this show is to spend time with each other and with you folks and and include you on our conversations that we've been having for years. But two, it 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 is really the ultimate nostalgia property for our generation, for yeah. our specific interest group. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, for guys who love comics, who love film, who love television shows, who love animation. Yeah, it all rests on that series. And that series is kind of the fulcrum by which everything kind of sprang forward. I, I credit Batman the Animated Series with not only launching better Batman film properties, but I, I kind of credit with starting the Marvel Universe. I think, yeah, I think it yeah. kind of does everything. And we'll go into that when we record those shows. But I think there's almost no more influential property in the Batman the Animated Series. And if it, you know, it's of a group with the most influential, let's say that. No, I would absolutely agree with that. And really the best, my favorite version of Batman. And, you know, I don't think I'm going out on a limb here by saying that it's probably the single best animated series 
forever across the board. Yeah, I, I think it's it's certainly in contention. It's definitely it's by far the best superhero cartoon ever made. Oh yeah. yeah whether whether much, we get whether we get into anything else, who knows? But that's what we're working on. We'll be hitting you with that in the fall, so be sure to keep an eye on that. We'll definitely maybe maybe we'll sneak a teaser out earlier, but definitely yeah. keep your eyes on that and take a listen. But I think Jordan, I think you've got a great handle on Batman. I think you've got a great idea coming our way. So what do you got for your pitch? Oh boy. Yeah. So pitch time. I almost forgot this is a pitch show. Yes. Uh, I thought we were just going to talk more about the Batman some more. <laughs> I just want to <laughs> say one last thing. We haven't seen the movie. No. Um, and I always try to think back to <laughs> a film called Ratatouille <laughs> that teaches a good lesson about criticizing things before you have seen them. <laughs> right. In Ratatouille, you know, the, the line is the new needs friends yeah so let me say that if i go see the batman and i love it i will be the most vocal on this show on social media in my personal circles about how wrong i was and how good it felt to see it hey mike how about this thank you this is my pitch for today my pitch is for a new batman film that would not be canonically attached to any previous Batman film. It is a standalone Batman film. I like it. Live action. This film would be set. It would actually, there would be a prologue and then the film itself. So the prologue would actually take place before World War II. Okay. And then the film itself would take place post-World War II in the early 1950s. So it has the look and feel of Batman the Animated Series, but it is a live action film. All right. Good. So we have our prologue. Uh, it's Gotham City. It's pre-World War II probably depression era right but uh the people we are seeing in this film uh do not seem depressed we have young bruce wayne bruce wayne is a child he's sitting between his two parents at the movie theater this is already sounding pretty familiar to you i'm sure it is he's watching on the big screen his favorite actor simon trent who's played by michael keaton oh bringing the keat man back that's right the film is called beware the gray ghost which is the film that he's watching and there are two actors on that screen, and there's another name that Batman the Animated Series fans might remember. He is fighting a man named the Mad Bomber, who is played on screen by an actor named Matt Hagen. And Matt Hagen in this film is played by Johnny Depp. And you have Depp and Keaton, who's been de-aged, right? And they're fighting on screen as the Mad Bomber, who's kind of a riff on Toy Man, by the yep. way. So mm -hmm. I want you to think of like he has like a doll face mask and then like kind of dresses like a... Well, like a little boy toy, you know, it's, it's creepy. And he is sending wave after wave of these little explosive cars at uh, Simon Trent, the gray ghost, but he is dodging them nimbly using smoke bombs, using his cape to deflect. And you're thinking while you're watching Simon Trent as the gray ghost, oh, this is the prototype for Batman. And certainly that is what Bruce thinks as he's watching the film. So it's after the movie and they head down the infamous alleyway and we see a shape approaching them from behind. And uh, young Bruce spins around, okay? And uh, I have him maybe shouting a catchphrase from the film. Maybe he says, look out, or he says, beware, for I am the gray ghost or something. And the man who's pursuing them laughs. It's just that Mr. Wayne left his hat at the theater and he's returning it. The man is just a man and the family laughs and they're all safe for the night. And the point is that nothing happens. It's just a nice memory. Batman has his own kind of nostalgia here. Yeah. Remembering a simpler time where he had his parents, he had his hero, and the world was better. All right. On his way out of the theater, by the way, just uh, 
you know, painting the the image, right? We want to see other posters of this famed film actor, Matt Hagen, who seems to be like a Boris Karloff of his day, right? He does a lot of monster features, including a picture called The Creature, where he's like this big mud monster where he's yeah, like yeah, yeah. coming up out of a pond or something like that, kind of uh, invoking images of the thing or the creature from the Black Lagoon or whatever. Okay. Now we're in present day for this film, which is post-World War II, early 1950s. So we are firmly in the Art Deco-inspired world of Batman the Animated Series, which always seemed to kind of span a 30s, 40s, 50s aesthetic and kind of rode those things pretty nicely. All right. We have uh, up on the roof of uh, GCPD headquarters, uh, Commissioner Gordon, played by William H. Macy. He lights up the Batman, uh, the bat signal to summon Batman. Uh, And, you know, he's been coming to Batman with some weird cases lately. And their relationship is based on a trust that is still budding. So this is um, maybe a mid-career Batman. I've cast John Hamm. Yeah. It could could be someone younger. I just, I like John Hamm because to me, he has the physicality of the animated series Batman. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Big guy. He's a big middle-aged guy, and I yeah. think that works for me. Ham is also, he also very nicely toes the line between comedy and drama pretty well. I was going to say, there's a lightness to him, which is nice. Yeah, which works as Bruce Wayne. Like, you know, like I could see him just kind of being a dismissive jerk, Bruce Wayne. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yep. So that's that's who shows up on the rooftop, right? While Batman and Gordon are meeting, and Gordon is handing him like some kind of like really interesting looking file. We go down to the commissioner's office and Barbara Gordon, who is a teenager in this film, she's played by Sadie Sink, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, the redhead from Mm -hmm. Stranger Things, Max. Perfect casting. Yeah. She's sitting inside the commissioner's office and she's being watched by Bullock. He's just kind of hanging out. And she's reading a magazine called Strange and Unknown. And on the cover of Strange and Unknown is an actor from yesteryear, right? It's Matt Hagen as the creature from uh, one of the posters that we saw in the prologue. Bullock tells her that, oh, what are you reading? That horror movie nonsense. That's just kid stuff. But he's going to be reading uh, Captain Marvel. (laughs) <laughs> right? uh, but it's, it's tucked behind a newspaper right it's, and now this is the cap the original captain the marvel. original the original captain marvel yeah well who we would now call shazam but it's still captain marvel to me yeah so up on the roof batman is meeting with gordon and gordon confronts him with a very unusual case bruce wayne high profile high society you know billionaire bruce wayne has been lurking around the gotham train yards and meeting with a rising corporate criminal kingpin named roland daggett who's played yeah. by ben mendelson in our Ooh, film ben mendelson Right. I picked up Mendelssohn because he actually plays Daggett in the Christopher Nolan films, but he doesn't play Roland Daggett. They gave him like a different name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And made yeah. it weird for no reason. I don't yeah. know why. Mr. Daggett. Uh, I was like, clearly you wanted Roland Daggett, but because you're Christopher Nolan, you're ashamed of making a Batman movie. So he has to be like John Daggett and be boring business guy instead of interesting Roland Daggett. Daggett's at the train yards with his goons, right? He's seeing these pictures of this happening. What looks like Wayne being friendly with Daggett. Gordon lays the first like plot thread on us, right? That Daggett and his men have been lifting a lot of equipment from Wayne Laboratories, a subsidiary of Wayne Enterprises. And Gordon can't really prove anything illegal yet, but it's just, it's strange that these containers are going missing. They don't know who's taking them. Bruce Wayne seems involved and he seems to be hiding it from his own company. And there's been a couple of deaths and Gordon can't quite pin it down. So he, he wants Batman's help. Yeah, of course. Uh, and Bruce Wayne himself is a hard guy to pin down. Like Bruce Wayne's even having, uh, sorry, Gordon's even having a hard time just interviewing Bruce Wayne. So Batman is aware of this, of course, because he is Bruce Wayne. What? I know. I'm sorry. Spoiler. Oh, man. Uh, and then Gordon, men- Gordon mentions that even though Bruce Wayne's been uncooperative or unresponsive, um, at least Lucius Fox has been willing to assist an investigation because Fox is the chief of Wayne Laboratories. And he- he's the one that's most concerned that this is all going down and that Wayne White might be involved. So we're going to zoom on over to the train yards 
uh, where Batman will be conducting an investigation. Fox, who's played by Tyler Perry in this film. Notice I've gone for people that can do drama and comedy. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and Fox is kind of funny in this movie, right? Uh, he surprises Bruce Wayne in the train yards. Uh, Wayne is still dealing with Daggett's men. And Lucius has a great scene with him. Where he's like, what, what are you doing? Why are you meeting with these guys? These guys are criminals. You're stealing stuff from your own company. What are you doing? Fox starts to think like, maybe these guys are blackmailing you. You know, how can I help? And, and can you just tell me why you're stealing this equipment? What's, what's going on? You're taking some really weird stuff that I don't see why you specifically would need or if you really know what you're doing by giving it to them, right? And Fox is perhaps right on the verge of kind of realizing that Bruce Wayne looks a little off. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Wayne shoots Lucius Fox, you know, and, and we think perhaps has killed him. Batman shows up to pursue Bruce Wayne and throws a batarang at him and actually catches him in the face. And when Bruce turns around, you see that his face looks not like Bruce Wayne. His face looks like scarred, like yeah. not from the batarang. Like he just looks badly disfigured. And you're like, oh, not only is that not Bruce Wayne, something horrible happened to this person at some point. Uh, Daggett's goons run some interference and ultimately the disfigured man gets away. Uh, Batman takes Lucius Fox to the hospital where before Lucius Fox loses uh, loses consciousness, he's telling everyone at the hospital, the cops, Gordon, the reporters that Bruce Wayne shot him. Yeah. Identifies Wayne as the attacker. All right. So Batman, the animated series fans are already probably picking up on the first thread, right? I am starting to seed in plot points from both episodes, both legendary episodes of the animated series. One is Beware the Grey Ghost, which is a, a top fiver for me, right? And the other is Feet of Clay, parts one and two, which is a top tenor for me. These are yeah. our legendary episodes. So some of this plot is basically just these two being woven together. I'll be really specific in some segments and more vague in others because it would be really boring to listen to if I really went into every little thing. So the disfigured man who uh, successfully uh, got away uh, returns home to his meager apartment and we see it stocked with old movie memorabilia. We've already shown this stuff in the film. Uh, the Grey Ghost, Beware the Grey Ghost versus the Mad Bomber. A bunch of stuff that is Matt Hagen's most famous film roles, roles mm -hmm. as the creature, roles mm -hmm. as a pirate, yeah. roles as uh, you know a masked bandit, whatever. And this disfigured person uh, is like moaning to himself. He's hurt. He's looking at his face. He's hideous. He reaches for a can of Renew You cream. Yeah. Uh, spelled R-E-N-U-Y-U. He puts this stuff on his face and he's working it and working it and shaping it and shaping it. And when he looks up, he's back, back to being Matt Hagen, Johnny Depp looking harried and desperate, but still like himself. And you see he's running out of this stuff, this cream. And that's that's all you see for now. It's the next day, Gordon and Bullock, they show up at Wayne Manor with a small army and they arrest the real Bruce Wayne, uh, who goes quietly for now. But he realizes that, of course, he is innocent. He has to investigate. And we know he's Batman. All right. Back uh, to Daggett. All right. So this is the first time we're actually seeing Daggett live in the film. We get a glimpse of what he's been stealing. He is stealing the stuff that makes it necessary, the, the stuff that is needed to create Renew You Cream, right? Because right now it's unstable. It's an unstable yeah. substance, but it's he's really close to perfecting it. And he really badly wants to like release it to the public as a beauty product. Things have gotten too messy. Batman has clearly caught on to what's going on with, you know, maybe Hagen. Lucius Fox got hurt. It, he needs to flush this whole project and just take what he has. So he goes ahead and he has his men. He, he orders the hit on on Matt Hagen. And then he we get the idea that he is about to become this really lauded cosmetics kingpin with this new product that no one else has that he clearly stole from Lucius Fox and Wayne Laboratory. So then we get the movie's most famous scene because it's a very famous scene from the animated series. 
the thugs capture Matt Hagen. You know, they they catch him as he's breaking into Daggett Industries, actually looking for the Renew Ukraine that he swiped from Wayne and they pour the stuff down his throat. This was such a gruesome image <laughs> from the animated series. They actually cut away to the wall and you see the shadow of what is happening. Yeah. Where they suffocate him by pouring all this stuff down his throat, and he, they kill him. And you're like, "This is a show for kids," um, but you, you know what? You remember it. You do. That is all Act One of the film, and obviously, it's the creation of who will be Clayface. Now we're in Act Two. Bruce Wayne, the real Bruce Wayne, is in jail. Fox is recovering in the hospital. Gordon is left to his own devices to try to solve this whole thing. Something's bothering him about the Bruce Wayne arrest. He doesn't really know how to put the pieces together yet, but he has Barbara with him. And Barbara suggests that maybe it was someone impersonating Bruce Wayne, someone in the disguise. And she's getting this idea from her copy of Strange and Unusual, which really shows really awesome makeup effects. Yeah. OK. And she's a big Matt Hagen fan. And uh, she, she's putting this idea in Gordon's head that, like, maybe it's someone that worked in the film industry. And speaking of, Gordon actually drops her off for her summer internship at a TV studio in Gotham where we meet two of our other important characters. One is Summer Gleason, who's a talk show host in the world of Batman, um, who's played by Bryce Dallas Howard in this film. Great. And we get her boss, Ted Dimer, who is a film producer. He's a television studio producer, but he's played by Matthew Broderick. So already the audience knows like, all right, this Matthew Broderick wouldn't just take like a nothing part. Clearly he must be important in some way. And when Barbara sees Ted's office, maybe now or maybe later in the film, it's filled with like gray ghost memorabilia. And she thinks she's made a friend because it's someone else who likes the Matt Hagen era, like the old stuff. Yeah. And we hear Ted be the first one to talk about excitedly, like he loved the gray ghost and how excited he was for like, you know, all this stuff. To He's like a collector. Something's weird. And we first see one of these little explosive cars in Ted's office and Barbara clocks it. Barbara just sees what that is. And, you know, obviously we see through her eyes. So Gordon goes to see out of work stuntman, Teddy Lupus, who's played by Skeet Ulrich. Right. Yeah, Skeet. We, we've always all thought that Skeet Ulrich bared at least a passing resemblance to Johnny Depp. Right. Yeah, of course. To see if anything, if he knows anything about facial prosthetics or like, you know, how advanced they've come. Lupus is kind of a burnout. Doesn't really give him much of an answer, but, we see some recognition there, like, uh-oh, I wonder if Matt is in trouble. So this reminds Teddy to check on his old friend, Matt. Okay, and then we get this structure in the film where we basically have Gordon is the daytime hero and Batman is the nighttime hero. And their cases start to cross, right? So that night, Teddy finds Matt Hagen in his car, come Clayface at this point. Teddy knows he needs to get him off the street, right? He pulls him back to his trailer, his apartment, whatever. And that's when we discover another great scene from the animated series that Matt Hagen can transform into anything, including all of his old movie roles, like with the costumes and everything, but he can't hold his shape for very long. He needs more Renew You to do that. Okay. So how is he going to get it? He probably can't go back to Daggett Industries. He is going to think of going back to Wayne Laboratories. Okay. This is where our plots are going to come together. So act two, end of act two, right? Clayface now breaks into Wayne Industries to steal the secrets of Renew You, what he had been doing all along, right? Because he's now going to have to do it himself. He has to cut out Daggett at this point. And also he's plotting his revenge on Daggett, right? Um, so Clayface gets away in the initial, we get to see some of his amazing new abilities, including all the cool Clayface stuff from the comics, like turning your hands into blades and shit like that. Which is yeah, great. yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome stuff. Well, we'll I always enjoyed that, right? And then as they're fighting, one of those toy cars from the old Grey Ghost movie, shows up at Wayne Industries and blows it up, <laughs> right? Specifically antagonizing Batman. And Batman's like, what the fuck? And there's like an army of these cars pursuing him in the Batmobile. We get our film's big chase sequence is Batman 
and this is not related to Clayface as far as he knows, Batman's Batmobile is pursued by these cars. And ultimately, Mike, we blow up the Batmobile. Yeah, I know. Mike's making a really surprised face right now. We blow up the Batmobile. These oh, no. toy cars get the best. Batman ejects in time, of course, but the toy cars overrun him. But the right? Batmobile is so cool. Okay. And now we get something really interesting, Mike. Yes. One of the toy cars finds the ejected Batman, and all he has to do is run into him to blow him up. But the car actually turns the other way and leaves, which gives us the impression as the audience that the car is watching him, like it has the ability to see Batman. Interesting. Okay, fine. Batman, because we're throwing in the gray ghost plot now, right? He goes out to seek out his former hero, Simon Trent, okay? And says, that, you know, and we see that Simon Trent, by the way, Michael Keaton in our film, right? He is washed up. He hasn't had a career in years. He attends these fan conventions. He's had to sell off basically all of his shit at this point, including the gray ghost costume. But we see poor old Simon Trent and Batman goes to him basically to say, listen, I found this car, this exploding car at the scene. It reminds me of your old movie. Do, do you know anything about this? Right. You know, even in that meeting, you can see like the spark of like, you know, Simon Trent wants to come back into this. He wants to be a part of the game. Like he wants to make his movie career real. He wants to be yeah. a real hero. Yeah. Right. So the lead that they have is that this guy, Ted Dimer, Matthew Broderick, right. He bought all of the memorabilia directly from Trent. Uh, he would have bought any cars or any like things like that, that, that Trent would have had in stock. Maybe he knows some. We move on. There is a scene at Daggett Industries. This is like the beginning of Clayface's revenge, right? Where Clayface attacks, right? Batman is aware that this is going on, okay? And Batman kind of intervenes before Daggett himself is killed by Clayface, this enrages Clayface. And then these fucking cars show up again, okay? And this time, the Grey Ghost saves Batman's life from being exploded by these cars, and now we're kind of rolling into what would be the third act of the film. We've got Daggett gets away from that final fight. Clayface has gotten away. Simon Trent has saved Batman's life, but he's really interested into, you know, why are these cars doing this? We get the third act where all is revealed, right? Okay, Summer Gleason's show. This is all going to take place at the TV film studio, right? Uh, Summer Gleason has Daggett on as a guest because he's presenting his new product. Renew You has only ever been a prototype up till now, but now he's ready to present it to the public. Okay, Sadie Sink, remember, our Barbara Gordon. She's been intern there this whole time. Gleason is interviewing Daggett about Renew You. And all the chickens come home to roost when Clayface reveals himself in the audience. He was disguised as like a large woman. It's such a funny scene in the animated series. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then the old woman like basically melts <laughs> and becomes Clayface and Clayface attacks. As that attack is going on, right? Batman and Grey Ghost, they're alerted to this. They show up and we have this amazing final fight where our final fight is between Clayface and Batman. But because the Grey Ghost is there, Clayface keeps reverting into being the mad bomber. And then at one point uh, passes by Barbara and sees the cover of the magazine that she's been reading through this film and briefly becomes the creature. Barbara gets an idea. She heads to the control room, put a pin in that. We realize that we're at the film studio purposefully. It's because Ted Dimer has led us here because he wants to live out the movie for real. He wants to be the real mad bomber, not Matt Hagen, Ted Dimer. Right. And now he's he's become like the ultimate toxic fan. Right. He's become like, I don't want to just I don't want to just love things from afar. I want to be a part of them. Right. I want to be the movie. Right. So he comes out in his full Mad Bomber costume. Right. He's been luring Batman with all of his bombings to this point to like have all these cameras on him to do this thing. 
right? Of course, Barbara is going to be one that pulls, pulls the plug on all this. Not only is Dimer exposed, she's the one that's going to set Clayface off. It's yeah. such a beautiful moment in the animated series when um, Batman gets the idea to put all of Matt Hagen's likenesses up on the uh, screens. Barbara's going to get that idea here, I think, to give her a heroic moment where Clayface ultimately loses because he can't shift his shape and maintain his form fast enough. And ultimately, Batman wins by knocking him into the television consoles. Grey Ghost is going to have his final fight with Ted Dimer and defeat the Mad Bomber for real. Okay, this is not a script. Simon Trent actually becomes a hero in real life. Clayface is apparently dead, but of course, we know that Clayface never really dies. The remains of him will slink off into some sewer somewhere. Um, Ted Dimer is uh, captured and arrested. Barbara is, you know, noticed for the first time by Batman, I think, kind of leading us into thinking like this girl could be Batgirl someday. Right. <laughs> We're left at the end with Batman famously as from the episode Beware the Grey Ghost thanking Simon Trent for being his hero. And Simon Trent is once again, once again brought back into the spotlight as a hero, uh, much in the same way that Keaton had his grand return in real life as well. So this is my film, which I call Ghosts of Gotham. Ooh, that's really good. I love it. Yeah. I love it. And I love that it pays so much homage to the animated series and just how important it, you're it right. is. Right. It actually. Correct. It couldn't exist. Without, I mean, it's basically just those two episodes blended together, but I think they make a nice film. I think they make a great film. And, I, you know, it's a very it's it's a very interesting. It's a very interesting villain to use, because I don't know if a movie would ever be like, we're doing Clayface, you know, but I think Clayface is awesome. And he is. He's actually a very cinematic villain. But yeah. because when you have guys like Reeves and Nolan, they don't want to touch stuff that's not realistic. And yeah. You can't, like Clayface is like maybe the least realistic Batman yeah. villain. No, you're right. Because he, how, how ridiculous he is. But no, I love it, man. Uh, that was awesome. Thank you so much for that. You're very welcome. And I'm sorry I the hope... pitch was so long, but obviously it was. Uh, I love I a was, good. I was waiting on it. I love a good long pitch. Uh, and hopefully <laughs> everyone out there enjoy Jordan's pitch for Ghosts of Gotham. And if you did see the Batman, let us know how you felt about it. Because. Listen, it's getting rave reviews across the board. It should should do pretty well. So we're probably going to be with this bat uh, Batman universe for a while now, for a while in the future. So uh, I would to love to, love to hear what you have to say about it, Jordan. I'm actually very interested to see what happens after you go and see the Batman uh, probably today, and then I will you, give you the full report. <laughs> I, I can't wait to see the uh, the Facebook post. And the text messages. And, oh, you know, all that stuff is going to happen. <laughs> oh, it's totally going to happen. So, and you know, it's going to be the worst. It'll be like, I was wrong. Was I was great. wrong, guys. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, listen, every now and I again. I love Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson is so Matt good. Reeves is great. Matt Reeves is a, is a, is a, he's a hero. Uh, it's one of those things, too, where it's like, um, you know, it, we're, we, we get a lot of stuff right on this show. Uh, we do. And I'm not just patting ourselves on the back. We've gotten no, we, a lot of stuff we right. We do. Our stupid show is actually like right on the pulse of like the cultural zeitgeist. Because yeah. every time we talk about something, it's literally like a month or two later, it's just like, yeah, this thing is happening now. Yeah. Oh, King Kong sees, speaks sign language. It's it's <laughs> right. Oh my god, that was so specifically correct. Yes, it's like, very oh odd. My god, Amy Good Gorilla everywhere, everywhere. But you know, it was one of those things where uh, we we kind of get things right, but every now and again we got to get stuff wrong. So uh, hopefully, Batman's great. Listen. The world is better when the we're for us and for us as fans. Uh, it's always better when the comic book related superhero related movies are good. So yeah. we live through an era where they were not good and they were terrible. So it's good to see that most of them are good now or many of them are good now where they used to not be. But Jordan, great pitch, man. Love that. Can't wait oh, to see God. Ghosts of Gotham. <laughs> and uh, for everyone out there in Internet land, 
from Jordan Hugh and Mike Staub. Thank you so very much for being here this week, listening to us talk about the Batman and Batman in general. And then stay tuned for um, new stuff coming. Uh, new stuff coming it, at the end of the year for uh, for the 30th anniversary of the Batman, the animated series and uh, more episodes here. We have a couple of a couple of them in the tank that I think you'll like quite a bit. Got anything to say before we part today? Harvey, I'm Batman. And that's where we'll leave it. Thanks, everyone. Have a good one. And thank you for listening. How about this, listeners? We had a great time talking about Batman once again. And yes, we know the Batman is awesome. It's crushing it in the box office right now. Everyone loves this movie. So if you're a fan of Batman, go out and see it. And we're so happy that it's doing well. To be be honest with you, I'm happy it's doing well because, like I said in the show, it's always better for all of us when the superhero movies are great. And that's all we could really ask for. So if you want to follow us and support us, be sure to go to Facebook or Instagram and find us at How About This Pod. Give us a comment, a like, a subscription, any of those things. It helps the podcast be that much more visible and helps new people find it. So... Thank you once again for listening. We've got a lot of great episodes coming your way soon, and we will see you next time for, well, it's a St. Patrick's Day celebration.